follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. That's right, Daddy. We're here for the Four Corners podcast on the Mothership. Coming up right along with the main event, Saturday night. That's right, Daddy. Here we are, back on Turner, baby. Hey guys, <laughs> not bad, right? We're back uh, on the mothership. We back on the mothership. Back on the mothership with that clubbering Tony. They be clubbering. He's got a bicycle. Oh, TV, TV has is the real mothership. Let's be yeah, that's, realistic. That's my biggest disappointment with it is that they don't get a TVS show out of it. Mm-hmm. Well, just to fill you, everyone listening in on the joke, this is Shad with Matt and Brad for the Four Corners podcast. AEW announced its TV deal. We'll get to that here in a minute. But we want to say thank you all for joining us. It has been a <clears throat> busy week. And so we've got uh, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, the first thing that we want to do, though, is we want to give our shout-out uh, to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand. We're an affiliate with them. If you want comfy wrestling gear that doesn't break the bank, Collar and Elbow is the place to go. They've got new designs coming uh, every quarter. They come up with new designs and put them out there. They're, they're not the god-awful tacky silk screen like someone's giant face on the front of the shirt kind of stuff. And if you use the promo code four corners podcast, that's the number four, no spaces, capital C and corners, capital P and podcast, you get 10% off your order. I know it works because at least two of us that are recording this right now have used it. And we also want to say that, um, well, we, we need to give a shout-out to a very special someone. Isn't that right, Matt? Uh, yes, that's true. That would be Epico Cologne. Epico Cologne uh, sits above the Iron Throne. Uh, <laughs> he has survived. He's the king of Westeros, I'm sure. Um, maybe. I would rather have seen the finale for yeah. Game of Thrones. He somehow, he somehow appeared, like, last episode. It's really crazy. I guess we the writers wrote him in. They forgot about Epico until the final episode, but there he is. Dropped an elbow on Bran and took over the crown, right? Yes. Yep. All right. So, um, lots of stuff to get to. The first thing we're going to start with is there was some some bad news uh, this past week. I believe it was a match in Great Britain. Um, where yes, we it was. Lost, yeah, we lost a big name in the Lucha community. And if you watched Nitro at all in the late 90s, you'd probably recognize the name of Silver King. Um, if you ever watched the movie Nacho Libre, he was portrayed as Ramsey's on there, or he portrayed Ramsey's on there. And unfortunately, it's another one of those stories where not only did we lose someone from wrestling, I mean, eventually we're going to, everybody from wrestling is going to be lost, but we lost him in the ring. Um, yeah, it seemed, I think the, 
what they're saying now is a heart attack? I believe so. I suppose that makes sense, but it's it's really unfortunate. Um, if you watch the tape, and I'm not saying you should because, let's be honest, it's kind of morbid, but if you do, I think you can tell Hoovy knew something was wrong but wasn't exactly sure what to do. Um, but, I mean, let's be honest. In a situation like that, you know, how many times do you expect someone to, to drop in the ring on you, you know? Well, I mean, it happened to a moon dog. That's true. And it and, happened um, Paraguay Jr. Um, Iron Mike DiBiase, I think. Uh, yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. I think it's happened. It's happened a few times over the years. I think year. Bob Orton yeah. Senior, maybe. Hmm. I don't I'm know. I'm not sure on that, but. Uh, well, I mean, also like not by Mizawa. heart attack. Mizawa, yeah. Oh yeah. Mizawa's what is, is maybe the biggest one. Oh well, that's well, that's a good point. Um. Well, I mean, I mean, I guess. I don't. I don't know if I could say that over Owen, but I mean that's different circumstances. Oh, wow. yeah. yeah. Uh, that's that's you're you're just they're they're different enough shades that it's kind of hard to compare the two, you know. Well, it's it's something that we had kind of talked about as it happened, um, because there there's some side stuff to this. I think we'll get into, but my first thought was when they were talking about kind of how it took so long for the medical staff. Like the first thing that popped in my head was. Well, you know, that Vili- that Villiano should probably, you know, call Raven up after that happened and be like, hey, man, thanks for, like, having the wherewithal to save my neck when that oh, yeah. powerbomb neckbreaker went wrong. That's true. Um, he really lucked out. And I'm to be honest with you, in the state Raven was in at the time, I'm kind of surprised they had wherewithal to do that. Um, I think also- he just knew, though, because he just didn't let go of his head until they had, like... Yeah. The medical stuff. He just stayed so calm. And then you had um, Canyon freaking out. Um, and, uh, you know, the the other thing is that I think that was that was Viano for a back off of an injury. He'd been out for like eight months with an injury, too. So he had I just come back. I think it was four or five. <laughs> I think it was four. <laughs> If you're out there listening and you know for certain, then uh, hit us up on the social media and, and let us know if we're right or let us know if we're wrong. Um, so has, we it, don't... has more details come out? Because the initial thing I read is like the ref didn't check on him, and that's kind of what caused the hiccup in medical attention. I don't know of any more details coming out. Um, in my experience... It's real easy to stall a match that way if someone's down and not getting up. That the ref waves the waves the other guy off and goes and tries try and check on him. But you know, I I couldn't bring myself to go through the video more than once. Um, so that's a uh, that's something that I didn't notice uh, when I did. Yeah, I don't think there's been anything more that's come out as far as I know. Right. Um, <laughs> It's a real shame, though. I mean, I there's not, like, many... Um, I don't have any, like, definitive memories of him other than a couple matches as Black Tiger 3, but I do remember he was one of my favorite guys in, the like, that Nitro crew. Yeah, he actually did have a stint as Black Tiger 3. 
um, in New mm. Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, for those who aren't aware. But he was he was in WCW for like four years, I think, three or four years. Um, and he was one of those guys you could always count on having like a really awesome like luchador or um, kind of light heavyweight match on Nitro or Thunder. Like, I mean, sometimes, especially towards the end, WCW kind of got bad. But you could always kind of like the undercard kind of delivering. And he was just one of those dudes. He was out there with, usually he was against some of the other luchadors, but he always had like a pretty good match. Silver King also, um, it was interesting in his, um, you know, in in being within all the the cruiserweights and stuff, he... uh, had the uh, he had a way of, of standing out that separated himself from a lot of the other luchadors because I mean let's be honest there was a lot of them doing like western style gimmicks um, you know if you remember Hoovy's music even it had a lot of that kind of western Tex-Mex kind of sound to it but he stood out um, he had a very different build he had a very different presence and I'll be honest with you, his, um, the, the thing that I always took from watching him was he had the best, uh, just standing front flip leg drop I remember seeing at any point. It was just so good. I should have watched, I, I meant to go back and watch, um, some of his matches from that era, but I just didn't uh, get a chance to. Yeah. It, it it has been, it has been a week for us. So yeah, yeah. I guess I guess we should also mention uh, because we are mentioning Silver King. Um, Ashley, is it Mazzaro? <laughs> Ashley Mazzaro, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, she also uh, died this past week or so or whatever. Well, yeah, they're um they've come out with new details and it, it appears to be a suicide. That's what yeah. I didn't know for sure, but there there's some. I don't want to get into it on the show because there's some dark shit that's um, oh, yeah. surfacing yeah. with that. But um, yeah, yeah, there's really dark stuff coming up. Yeah, so um, that's something for maybe another episode, maybe a dark match or something. But I don't really want to dig into the depths of that because it's pretty sickening. Yeah, yeah it's it's really bad, and I don't think we ought to. This, now is not the time to crack that can of worms. I think. Yeah. But I, that one, um, that was a weird, that one kind of hit close to home because she's the same age as I am, so. Yeah, she was 39, and um, it's, you know, it, it, most of the time, um, someone who is suicidal isn't making a lot of long-term plans, which she had been doing, so... Um, there are, uh, you know, there are, there's a lot of, of scary implications that go with that as well. So that's anyway. Yeah. We, we hate losing both of them. Um, you know, I I think Ashley Massaro won the first diva search competition and um you know to have something like that happen is just awful no i think uh christy hemi won the first did she diva search 
then she got hired out of the first um first diva search well um i just remember the christy one because like they were they sent her to like ovw because they thought she would quit and then she was excited that they were actually going to teach her like to wrestle because she was like a legitimate fan and i think they just fired her anyway and then uh tna started using her as an interviewer well she was a manager for a while too that's right because she did the play back to our our she did if you go back to our, our trivia episode um she was she was the manager for the new legion of doom as well so Ugh. was that after was that before or after um Heidenreich date raped michael cole jesus i don't know but man that was that was a bad era of WWE because I think yeah. I think Katie Vick and that happened in like what like a two year time span. Uh, probably. Oh wait, uh, um, I'm forgetting that Kane also shocked Shane's balls too. I'm gonna be honest with you, that was funny. Yeah, that was a pretty funny one, and it, I've talked about this on the podcast before. But uh, when Kane lit Jr. on fire, oh yes, that was. The I best. could not stop laughing i remember laughing hysterically watching it live yeah so um you know speaking of shane mcmahon and burying a popular act um (laughs) okay okay we'll get there because we had some other we were going to tie in with our our intro yeah and talk about some of that stuff first so we were going to do the mega powers this week but a lot of newsworthy stuff happened, obviously, and um, mm-hmm. I would say the three of us have individually had a couple of days straight that has just frazzled us beyond all um, measures. So we decided to really do this because of our next topic, which is AEW got a TV deal with TNT. Yes, AEW will be on T- TNT. Wrestling is coming back to Turner Broadcasting. 18 uh, years. Eight. 18 years and here it comes it's interesting to me because um the uh we we've got we've got this happening and you know that ted never wanted to get rid of it because wrestling is really what made his network uh, no, and he in didn't, its infancy he didn't wait long either because i'm pretty sure i remember reading i only think it was a couple years ago maybe even two years ago that 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 deal with wwe expired and he could have wrestling on his networks again right right it's yeah um and so here here we are with uh <clears throat> here we are with with it coming back to coming back to tnt and i'm looking forward to it um i'm i'm always a fan of having i've wanted competition in um in the, the North American wrestling scene on the big stage for a long time. I'm not expecting AEW to come out of the gate and be the silver bullet, but to, you know, offer an alternative. I think, I think they, from what they've done creatively, I think it'll be good, but I think what people have to realize if they, if they're looking forward to AEW is a lot of these guys are promoting for the first time and all of them are promoting on like this big of a stage for the first time. So, we're going to have to sit through their growing pains a bit. So, I mean, you know, there's going to be mistakes and, you know, that's that's not the worst thing if they learn from them. Right. 
There, I mean, mistakes are going to happen no matter what. If you have a TV show that goes on for any particular stretch of time, there's going to be mistakes. Um, but I like, um, I like their attitude so far and the fact that um, they want wins they want and losses. Wins and losses to, to, they want they wins, wins and losses. Lo- Getting a little feedback. feedback. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I like the fact that they want wins and losses to mean something. Yeah. Um, so, so I think, I think that kind of leads into the next story about the Pac and hangman page thing, which, um, right. so the, the, I guess the exact story to that is a so page. I mean, no, sorry. Pac is the dragon gate champion i don't know what it's called i think it's like the dream i used to know what it was but i don't anymore okay and they were supposed to be a um, open the dream gate yeah open the dream gate yep that's right okay so there was supposed to be a uh there's supposed to be a match between Pac and, and hangman page and that's off now it's not happening correct the original i think the original story that came out was that um the creative differences, which everyone assumed meant that Paige was supposed to go over and Pac was supposed to do the job and he didn't want to. Right, and that seems to be lingering. A lot of people keep saying that, but what what Meltzer is saying well, can is... I, sorry to interject. Sorry to interject, but yeah. at that point, like when it, when it first broke, like that is what everyone assumed. Right. That it was just that Pac is champion. Pac, um, I guess, has a lot of loyalty to Dragon Gate because when he was first starting out, he went to Japan and they took care of him. He has a lot of respect for them. He kind of mm-hmm. gives them a lot of deference, a lot of loyalty. So his his um, his idea, which I guess is kind of like a almost like an antiquated concept, but I, I mean, I, I kind of like the theory behind it is that if he's their world champion, then he he's not going to job in other venues like he's not going to go overseas um like the united states or to europe or something and then job out to someone uh, while he's champion he, he wants to protect his integrity as champion he wants to protect the integrity of the belt which i can kind of appreciate so mm-hmm. everyone yeah. thought he's not oh like he was supposed to job to, to page uh and he didn't want to because of this uh attitude and then uh that's where the conflict was, but right. sorry, to cut, sorry to cut you off, Brad. It seems like yeah. there was more. It wind up being there was more to the story. Yeah. So what it seems to be, and I'm not saying this is 100. percent This is this is coming from Meltzer, and I'm thinking he would probably know or have a good idea. Is that it seems like the tie-up isn't um, the page match so much as future matchups. There has been, uh, a, yeah. There was there was supposed to be a. Um, hang on. Uh, yeah, Melcher. I've got. I'm pulling the thing up right now. He was always supposed to beat Page, and it was the what Melcher said is that it was supposed to go into Pack versus Omega, but they didn't want Omega to lose. And Pack's like, "Look, I, if I'm the champion over here, then you know I can't. I can't just you know I can't be laying down for other people, other places like that." And it's just like Matt was saying. It's it's a very loyal kind of mentality, and the fact that Dragon Gate was taking care of him, I I totally get it. But it, it's on the other hand, it's like, uh, what did you expect was going to happen? Right. Well, I think 
I think what hap- what's going on here too is is they don't want to do a time limit draw and they don't want to do a DQ because they don't want to do bullshit on a pay-per-view. They don't want people to pay 50 bucks for this thing and then to screw them with right, with non-finish. Yeah. Yeah. Um there's the theory that uh time limit draws they don't really have the time for it with as much as on the card. Well, there's they've done this with Pac in the UK a couple times and it went over really poorly. Okay. Well, then you you have some history on why not to do that then. Um Well, it, it's a pretty packed show and I don't think I don't think doing a time limit draw is a good use of time, especially for for Page and Pac. Right. Yeah, and and supposedly AEW doesn't want to do that many DQ or um, kind of time limit draws or things like that. They don't want to kind of do those uh, finishes, at least not on pay per views. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. I think realistically, once they have TV, it's like they're probably going to have to compromise and do some of those. But I can see where they it they're trying to adopt this mentality, at least with pay per views or big shows that. If you're if you're paying to see a match, you want an actual resolution or conclusion to the match. Mm-hmm. And, and it may be something that they're just doing early on to try and keep from poisoning the well, which well, I, th- I can I th- understand that. I think I think especially like if Money in the Bank showed us anything, it's that fans are tired of getting screwed with their finishes. So I think I think. I think they'll eventually get some DQs and countouts in there, but I also think like a promotion that's focused heavily on clean finishes is a really good alternative to the WWE. Right, right. It, it's definitely going to be different. There's no question about that. Hey, how interesting is it that at the time when WCW was going under, like if it was up to Turner, he never would have dropped it, but at the time when it was going under they were basically being known for not having a clean finish on their show at all. And now here we are 18 years later and it looks like that we're getting the reverse dynamic. I think it's what you have to go with though. If you want to, if you want to realistically capture that disgruntled WWE audience, you've got to give them, you've got to give them clean finishes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that's been I think that's probably been the worst aspect of getting the WWE network is that is losing that pay-per-view revenue has given them no incentive to actually provide resolution on pay-per-view anymore. That makes sense. That makes sense cuz now, now they're just like, "Oh, it's just another show that people can watch on the network, so we'll just do whatever." Yeah. Uh, I can see that. And then you compare it to the fact that people can go back and watch old stuff. <laughs> and it's not making for a real um, favorable comparison. Well, the thing with old stuff, like when you got like those, when you got those like non finishes on TV, that was to get you to go to the arena to watch like the finish. Right. Like yeah. if you like, I just watched, um, I just watched Carrie Von Eric and King Kong Bundy on a, a world-class episode and it ended in like a double count out, but that match was pretty much just there to be an advertisement for Fritz von Eric's retirement match against King Kong Bundy. 
And yeah, and, I mean, you use the TV to get people in the building, and then when you get people in the building, then you pay it off. Yeah. So and I, th- I think where WWE has really fallen on hard times is they don't resolve anything. Like everything's just filler now, with no stakes on anything. Doesn't seem to be. It's all filler, and it's all parody. Parity, not parody. Although it's, it can stray into both. I think sometimes, but yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, speaking of double or nothing, uh, let's take a look at the card. What? Uh, Before we do that, can I just say one piece? Yeah. Not to, not to, um, not to call him out, but there was a. <laughs> We've we've kind of made mention of this before, but Dave Meltzer gets in trouble when he goes on Twitter and does things. Um, but Meltzer kind of was, was getting some heat from people because of his uh, quote unquote reporting on the whole page pack thing. Um, uh, and I have to say, like I, I really do kind of feel he he got criticism basically that he was kind of running effectively a public relations arm for AEW. <laughs> And reading his tweets, like, I kind of feel like he was. Like, no offense to the guy. Um, I felt that he went a little bit beyond reporting because he was like, no, 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 like, they they have, like, long-term booking. This is all, like, a really smart decision. And it's like, "Mm, yes, that's technically true now that we have, like, a bigger picture. Um, But it also, I felt he was kind of, like, going... These are... He obviously wants AEW to succeed. And I do, too, because, I mean... We want, we want competition for like the WWE so that they can improve. Uh, it, more wrestling is always good wrestling. It's good, you know, it's good for things. But I don't know. Like I felt he was a little bit kind of like being a homer for AEW. Yeah, yeah, he was spinning. I don't know that it was spinning. I guess it could be perceived as that, but I think it was, he was, it was trying. I think Go he ahead. was trying. I think he had insider info, and he was trying to communicate like there's more going on here than what's there. But he wasn't saying, which I think it was his mistake. Yeah, I mean, I feel in that case, like you, if you're trying to style yourself as just a straight journalist, then just report it as like, hey, like they say that they there's there's more to this. Just like be like coy about it like be like hey what i'm hearing what what aew is saying is that uh they have bigger plans for this it goes towards their long-term booking and just leave it at that but he was basically kind of going beyond that in my opinion or he was kind of being like no 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 like they're being smart like they know what they're doing and it's like okay now you're like you're giving your opinion and maybe he did have like inside information but it's almost like if like you have a good friend and another f- another person you know or another friend has like beef or he's upset about something and so it's like you have inside knowledge mm-hmm. if you're trying to be like neutral you're trying to be switzerland you can be like well you know this is what they're saying i don't know maybe you should talk about it with them that's that's kind of just like playing it neutral that's like i'm just being a, i'm just reporting the facts here but if you're like, no, 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 like he knows what he's doing. Like it's like, then you're like, you're kind of like vouching. And then you're, you're edging into that. I'm standing up for this person. And I felt like he was kind of doing that. He's like, oh, I'm st-. he was standing up for AEW, which is right. That's you're not being like, if you're styling yourself as an objective journalist, like that's not, 
exactly the way to do it, but sure. Um, I didn't think it was like a big deal, but he he got some heat for it. Yeah. Well, let's be honest. Meltzer gets heat every time he opens his mouth just by being him. Yeah, but some sometimes I think sometimes he does that just for jollies too. Okay, he, he shatners it. Yeah. Huh. Maybe he's like a super nice guy in person, though. He's nice. He might, he is, but he's the nice thing is, and though, quiet and shy. But on Twitter, he gets into problems. Yeah, but like the thing with Twitter, though, is Twitter, like, it is so low effort to get hours of laughs. It, it doesn't take a whole lot to get some people no. riled up. So and I think sometimes old older guys just like to um, rustle some Dentally. jimmies for, for humor's sake. For kicks, yeah. Incidentally, this is why we appreciate Matt running the Twitter because he's our our Twitter account is because he's so good at running it and not causing trouble. <laughs> <laughs> no controversies thus far. So what? What? So what do you? So Matt, on this uh, page versus Pac replacement, I'm putting it at ninety five percent chance it's John Moxley and about a five percent chance of CM Punk. Ah man, I don't know. I'm saying it's Moxley would Mox, Moxley would like eat, well either one would kind of like bring the house down. Like I don't feel I, I can't imagine that it would be Punk. If if Punk were to show up, Punk did feel, wrestle though. Punk did wrestle recently. Did that he wrestle? Or he did, did just show up. He just he ran in. I think. Yeah, that run in. Was he even like in in any sort of physical shape? Because I mean he. He I don't know. He really was under got, a mask. He looked. It looked like he was wearing skinny jeans, and the name was appropriate. I mean, Punk was never like a super big dude, but he really got. Well, I was going to say small, but I mean, he certainly really trimmed down for yeah. his abbreviated mixed martial arts career. Uh, I feel he'd have to. He'd have to bulk up, and I don't think from the pictures we've seen of him recently that he. Maybe he thought if he got he dropped enough weight, he could fight an eighth grader instead and guarantee a win. I I mean, I absolutely believe that um, Moxley will probably wind up in AEW because it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I feel like, it, like if it's supposed to be Punk, I almost feel like you don't waste Punk in that. You just you have Kenny Omega and Jericho and then whoever wins that if you if you're debuting punk you could have him like appear at the end of that yeah and then boom you have like an instant like future challenger down the road maybe at all in too yeah uh Moxley like I almost feel Moxley like that'd be a waste for the surprise but I mean they could do it and I actually think Moxley could be yeah but I think I think um if you went so if you go to all in two mm-hmm. and then because you're making wins and losses mean something so then you could do Omega versus Moxley. I think that would actually draw a lot of interest. Yeah, I, I think it would draw a lot. I think Moxley in general would draw a lot of interest, and he well, would be a huge not get. Jericho and Moxley. Oh, okay. Well, okay. That's. I suppose it depends on if there's thumbtacks and a potted plant involved, but. Mitch. Um, yeah, Mitch. Um, the. Just Moxley in general would be a big get because he's already so recognizable, and he was recognized as a big tier talent that was, you know, a huge. He was he was a big deal. Never mind the fact that they stumbled, bumbled, and fell around, not knowing what to do with him. But 
I, I honestly think, like, in my opinion, I think Moxley to AEW is an inevitability. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of when, not if. Because, I mean, if if he was running on the indies and never went to WWE, I bet he would have been a Bullet Club guy, like, running this crowd anyway. Maybe. Oh, I mean, I would love to see him, actually, in New Japan. Uh, as, I'm, I'm... as Bullet Club guy. <laughs> I... Although, they, I mean, they're really pushing uh, Jay White with that angle, so yeah. I don't know. That, I don't know that he would be a fit at the current moment, but yeah. So I was looking. I'm looking over the um, Double or Nothing card. I think the the match I'm honestly most excited for and kind of jealous you get to see in person is the Aja Kong Yuka Sakaz- Sakazaki. Yeah, Sakazaki. And Emmy Sakura versus Hikaru Shida, Ryo, and Ryo Mizumi. Mizunami, sorry. Bro, yeah, if uh, you if you had a hard time with those names, then I, I never had a prayer. I, I said the <laughs> no, I said the Sakas, but I said her name right earlier today because I was making sure I'd say it right, and then it just didn't come out right. Right. Yeah, I'm. Uh, for those who don't know, I'm actually going to be there live. So, uh, it's it's going to be a five hour show, which I'm not wildly enthusiastic about because I feel like WrestleMania kind of it, it gave me like PTSD <laughs> for shows that are <laughs> for shows that are longer than like three or four hours. But um, yeah, uh, I'm excited about that because I have I never in my life thought I would necessarily see an an Ashita Kong match, and now I'm going to see it live. But much like over WrestleMania weekend, I didn't think I would actually get to see uh, Jushin Thunder Liger wrestle live, and I saw him twice that weekend. So, honestly, the only thing the only thing that could top an Aja Kong appearance for me would be Bull Nakano. Oh wow, yeah. Oh, uh, and me. She's uh, she's kind of long retired at this point, right? She doesn't even look like Bull Nakano anymore. <laughs> No, for the this that's a that's actually a really interesting point. Bolnakano is fifty one years old. I just looked it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for those of you who may remember Bolnakano from like the mid nineties and what she looked like back then when she was you know like half her age now, yeah. she is like completely. She looks completely different. She lost tons of weight. She yeah, actually she's is like, like a cutie. She's like foxy now. She's like I know. It's like, what? <laughs> How is this the same person? I mean, she's probably minus, I think she became like, like a semi-professional. Mm-hmm. I, I was going to say, like, she's got to be like minus like 80 or 90 pounds now. Oh, yeah. I think there's a certain amount of, um, of, of keeping up with the gimmick that goes into, uh, you know, that can go into it. So I guess the... You know, whenever you're not doing that gimmick anymore and you can you can relax, you don't have to keep, you know, packing the muscle on or anything. Yeah. I think my favorite bit of um, Japanese wrestling trivia, though, is the fact that um, Kawada owns and cooks at, like, a ramen shop now. Yeah. If you go have ramen at some shop, you can, like, meet Kawada. Man, that that's, like, a life goal for me. I would love. I, I I would like. I would die having ramen. I love ramen, by the way. <laughs> I would absolutely <laughs> die to go eat at Kawada shop. 
I think someone at PWO ate there and said it was only okay, but like I don't care. I, just, <laughs> I don't care either. That's yeah. not why you're really going there, right? That's not he really. Could, he, I, honestly, he could literally pull like the shit you can get at the grocery store for like twenty cents. He could literally throw that in a pot, <laughs> and oh, yeah. I would eat it because it's kawada. It's like, and I'd be like, hey, hey, can you do me a favor, man? Like, like what, what? Like, can you just kick me in the face just once? Ooh. Like, just go on, like. I want okay. I want a story for my friends. I want to go home and say Kawada kicked me in the face. Uh, I'd be afraid that I wouldn't be able to finish my ramen after that. We eat the ramen first. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I look at this card, and I'm going to be honest with you. I I have Cody and Dustin is the big standout for me, but right after that, that Battle Royal looks like it has the potential of being a lot of fun. So. Yeah, it's the uh, the 21-man Casino Battle Royale. Right. And so, there's still the... Oh, no, the TBA's been announced now. Well, there's there's still four, it looks like. Yeah. Right. Do, do we want to go through the contestants? Yeah, I'm going with that, so... So first off, we have Sonny Kiss. Mm-hmm. Who I'm excited about. He's a, he's a pretty good wrestler. Brandon Cutler, who I don't think I've ever seen wrestle before. Um, Ace Romero, I've seen him wrestle. He's pretty decent. Uh, Glacier, who I'm very excited about. <laughs> yes, I'm so excited yes. about this. They, ha- they must give him his full entrance. I'm going to riot if they don't give him the full entrance. I want to see this so much. I want to see Blood Runs Cold pop up on the the Titantron, or whatever they're going to call the Titantron. I I very, very dearly want to see you riot in the crowd. Please, please do, okay? Then we have Brian Pillman Jr. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sunny Days, I'm not sure who that is. MJF, who is a personal favorite of mine, Great Heel. I think he'll do really well in AEW. Yeah. Um, Joey Janela. Yeah. Uh, Dustin Thomas, who is the guy that is missing his legs below the knees. Okay. He was at spring break. All right. And he um he's six one nine some guy. <laughs> I like um, it. Billy Gunn, who I don't think I've seen wrestle in a really long time. Uh, Jimmy Havoc, who is a British deathmatch wrestler. Mm-hmm. I actually think Jimmy Havoc has the potential to be a big star for AEW, too. He, he probably has the best angle ever in AEW. I mean, in progress, where they would only let him in the promotion if he promised not to um, not to do deathmatch stuff and cheat to like, the matches where him, like, resisting the temptation to cheat and use weapons yeah <laughs> he's actually a pretty good wrestler yeah and he, uh he's a really unique personality like i think he he's unique enough that he could really get over i agree with you on that he has yeah. a lot of personality mm-hmm. i have a friend who uh who's met him a few times and and vouches that in person like in real life he's actually like a super nice guy that's cool mm-hmm uh, Michael Nakazawa, I don't know who that is. <laughs> he was with I is he from um he is like a, a longtime friend of Kenny Omega. Um, okay. if you watch some of the uh 
50 being the elite episodes from oh, okay. about two, three months ago. There was some really funny stuff uh, where Kenny Omega was, uh, for some reason, was mistaking Michael. Uh, I, th- I forget if it was, uh, I think it might have been Matt of the Young Bucks as Michael Nakazawa. Okay. <laughs> it's worth watching. It's actually really funny. Um, let me look it up. Michael Nakazawa. I forget if he was in DDT or what promotion he was with. Yeah, he was with DDT. He was with DDT when Omega was there, so they became actually really good friends. Okay. Yeah. Then um, we have Jungle Boy. And I have to say, I feel like a dumbass. I didn't realize until like three weeks ago that Jungle Boy is Luke Perry's son. Kind of surprised you didn't know that. It just never came up. Um, well, it okay, it was an odd way for it to come up. But my, my wife was a, a big Luke Perry fan. And so I, I basically what I was doing was poking around to seeing if he was going to be making any convention appearances near us. And that's how I found out about Jungle Boy. So that Luke, was, Perry, uh, Luke Perry is a legit, like, gigantic wrestling fan. He was on Bill Simmons podcast. Like, we're talking like eight years ago. Mm-hmm. And I guess Simmons had like a picture of the Funk Brothers up. And he just like Perry just went on this like twenty minute side conversation about how much he loves wrestling. Wow, I remember watching a um, it was a video where Matthew McConaughey and John Cena were having a conversation about stuff that happened in Mid South in Louisiana, and Matthew McConaughey told a story about winging a bag of oranges at Skinder at far. <laughs> 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 He was, and in the middle of it, John Cena keeps turning to the camera and going, "The people who know what we're talking about enjoy this." <laughs> I've I've been listening to Jim Cornette talk about the shit they had to put up with when they were in Mid South, and he oh, said yeah. the, like the fans that were real bastards wouldn't slash your tires; they would stab them so that your tire would go flat on the road in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Um. And the 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 Drano in the squirt guns because the the cops kept everyone a certain distance away, and um, you know all that kind of stuff. There's a there's so many crazy stories. Just just to go on a, a, a real quick side tangent, what did you think of um, the Midnight Express and Jim Cornette's little birthday celebration <laughs> that you watched yesterday? <laughs> That was perfect. That was that was very well done, because um, the the amusing thing to me out of that, first of all, to have for them to have their private celebration in front of everybody else, that's a very heel thing to do, right? And you do it out in front of everybody else specifically to piss them off, and then you have. My God, the Midnight Express are walking around throwing glitter on people. Such a heel move, right? <coughs> uh, and then, you know, Cornette's yelling at Jim Ross, you're not invited, and I'm going to cut this cake. And well, there you're, is... you're missing the best part. He's like, I'm going to cut this cake, Jim Ross, and you can't have any. Yeah. And there is a there is an immutable rule in wrestling. If there's a cake, somebody's face is going in it. 
100% of the time, it works every time. If there's a cake, someone's face is going in the cake. So you, you stand there next to the cake, and I'm like, oh, man. Oh, man, what's going to happen? And the rock and roll just run out. They both grab him, and... <laughs> it was like a Bigfoot sighting, though. Like, if you would have blinked, you would have missed, like, them on the screen. Yeah. But it, it worked. You know, they didn't overdo anything. It was It was just... It didn't have to be big, and then Cornette sold it like they had just, you know, just peed on him or something. He just lost his mind. That's that's some good old school healing stuff. That's you gotta you gotta be willing to, you know, eat some dirt and show your ass every now and then as a heel, which has gotten kind of lost, I think. But I thought you'd be tickled by that. Oh yes, very much so. I enjoyed it very very much. Um, so back to, um, back to the battle Royal. We also have Isaiah Cassidy. Yeah. Mark, is that Quinn? Do you know, Matt? I think it's Quinn. Okay. Luchasaurus, who I enjoy and just announced today, the perfect 10 Sean Spears. Mm -hmm. That by the way, was a fantastic way to introduce him. Yeah, deal in the card, and he holds up the 10, and you're just like, oh, that used to be Ty Dillinger. He's not Ty Dillinger anymore, but, you know, that was, you know, that was great. I enjoyed that a lot. I think he was, I think he's a good pickup for them. I do, too. For a guy that had so much potential, and they just never did anything with it, because I think they forgot he was there. All right. That's, yeah. I mean, it's un, it's heartbreaking to have people like that. You know, someone you can do a lot with, and then you just don't, because you're like, oh, I just kind of forgot he was around. It's like, that's, that's a judgment on you. That's yeah. not a judgment on him. So then we also have four um, spots to be determined. I personally would like to see Orange Cassidy get a spot on this. Oh, wow, that'd be great. <laughs> I'm trying to think of who else I'd like to see in this. Maybe Necro Butcher. Hmm. Man, I'd, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think break. of who they could sneak in there. So let's it's... let's um let's hit the pre-show, the other pre-show match, which is um Kip Sabian versus Sammy Guevara. I don't know much about Kip Sabian. <laughs> I know I've seen him wrestle, but um I really like Sammy Guevara as kind of like a douchebag heel yeah he has a he has a very punchable face what's his gimmick now he's like a youtuber isn't he like a streamer Nick? or something a what what sammy guevara he's like a he his gimmick is like he's like a youtube star now or something isn't it is it i think so i don't know i saw i trying to remember I just saw him on some show. So this is very like esoteric and regional, but uh, in my opinion, like you have to really kind of be from like uh, Texas or kind of South Texas. But he's he's what they would say in in like Southern Texas slang. He's a fresa. He's a uh, he's kind of to me. He's kind of like just a pompous, arrogant uh, Latin kid. I think that's his gimmick. Yeah. He's he's good at it. I mean, I would say he's not the best in ring, but like his personality like really carries him and he 
he's one of those few guys on the indies that's just not afraid to like have people hate him. Mm-hmm. I actually think he's pretty good. Oh yeah, he's good. I just he's not like I wouldn't call him like elite level guy. He's just like I would call him like solid to above average to good, not like great. Yeah. I think he has room for improvement. I yeah, guess he's, he's pretty... I, I guess he's been around for like a few years, but um <laughs> I think really only like the last couple years he's kind of been doing a lot. Yeah, uh, cuz he kind of started with PWG. Yeah, I know years he, ago I, maybe. Yeah, I know he did some stuff with um with MLW. Yeah. And, and I think since then, um, cuz I remember gosh, I feel like I I know I saw him at WrestleMania weekend last year. He was on WrestleCon um, um, yeah. this year. Yeah, he was. I feel like the last couple of years, he's really kind of like been improving. So I think, I think he's got a lot of room to like go up. So um, I think he's overall he's a good hire for the company because I think he's one of those guys, like younger guys that they can kind of build upon. I think you're right. Like he's kind of still learning, so I don't see him doing a lot just yet. Um, but he's probably a good hand to have around and kind of build. Yeah. It's just like a, an, a, a lower card guide. I mean, I mean, they can't ever, it can all be like the upper card. I think they have a really, they're building a really solid core group of guys. I mean, I love that they have some younger guys like Jungle Boy and Pillman Jr. and Sammy because I feel like they have tons of potential and they're kind of like on the, if you're like an indie wrestling geek like I think we all are. Like we've heard of them. We've kind of watched some of their matches, but they obviously don't have national exposure yet. And that's mm-hmm. where I feel like these guys are really going to get that with the TV show. And I think, like I think, um, even TNA did that, taking like some young guys and really cultivating them mm-hmm. and getting them like to that next level of being able to like carry a show or being like a main eventer. There's a there's a certain level of reward in that as a viewer getting to witness that. You get to take the journey with them. Yeah. Um, and it gets to run a little bit longer than, um, you know, it gets to run a little bit longer than, uh, you know, a two-hour movie does or, or anything like that. So, so the, it's it's nice. So then I'm going to I'm gonna guess this is probably going to be the opener to the show, but I'll probably be wrong. <laughs> Best Friends versus Angelico and Jack Evans. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I just want to say Trent Barretta is one of those guys I hated when he was in the WWE, and I'd say the last couple <laughs> years, like I've really come to enjoy him. Mm-hmm. I think he's turned into a really great seller and like a great tag worker. He has improved a ton, at least from the WWE days. Yes. I, I don't even think I'd recognize like that wwe wrestler anymore because i don't even think he he's anything like that yeah there's um i've heard a lot of people say stuff to that effect that his uh his improvement has been just massive um in the last few years it's interesting how many guys get so much better once they get out of that wwe ecosystem i wonder what about the wwe (laughs) causes that they have a certain style that they want you to do like and it's not as bad as the main event style of the early mid 2000s was but the um, there's a certain style that they want out of you 
And if you're wanting to do something different than that, then they, there's a lot of we don't care for that sort of thing. And if you can't do a southern accent, you get the same thing. So, Yep. So up next, um, Britt Baker, Nyla Rose, and Kylie Ray in a three-way match. I'm not a fan of anyone in this match, so... Okay. I'm sure it'll be okay. I, you know, I'm not able to to watch as much, um, you know, non-mainstream stuff as as you guys are. So I'm, you know, some of this I'm I'm uh, less informed on, and this would be one of them. I'm kind of just going through this as I think it'll air on the show. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, SoCal Uncensored, which is Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky versus Shima, I almost said that wrong, T-Hawk, and L. Lindemann. I've really only seen um, Shima of those guys, so I don't well, know what to think of this match. I, I guarantee gum tea that uh, I've been saying Shima's name wrong this entire time. Have you been so. just saying Sima? I've been saying Sima. Shima, yeah, yeah, Shima. Well, I, I, I was, I was close. It's okay. I said it. I said it wrong for a long time too. Yeah. So, the um, I'm gonna. The honest to god truth is that anything Christopher Daniels does, I'm probably gonna support because that man is a dead gun treasure. And even though he, even though he and Kazarian beat up Spider Man. At the comic book convention. <laughs> look, look, he is a treasure, and not only did did he and Kazarian need I remind you two men that do not have superpowers take down Spider Man and win a title from him, but he has the best moonsault ever, and he has been consistently good for so long. I like him. I don't know if he's. I haven't seen him wrestle as much lately, but when he wears like the general's uniform to the ring, like I just pop for that. He's seriously the dude's a treasure. And then whenever he wanted to, uh, you know, whenever he wanted to to take it a little more easy, what did he do? He put on a, a mask and a bodysuit and became Curry Man. Curry Man. Yeah, that is true. Uh-oh. You know, that's uh, he didn't have to take it too seriously. He got to just kind of relax and, and have some fun with it. And, um, you know, there you his, go. His, uh, his Curry Man days went all the way back to, like, Michinoku Pro, right? A long time. Yeah, like, I think, like, late 90s, early 2000s. I think he and Brian and Daniel Bryan were the... IWGP Junior Tag Champs in like 2003 or something. Hmm. It was him as Curry Man though. Because I don't think he ever wrestled in New Japan as Christopher Daniels until way later. So, you've got well, you, what, this is this is Daniels uh, stable. Uh, yeah, this could, I mean <sighs> Daniel Christopher Daniels is so smart. He's not just a good hand. He's also very smart. And he he doesn't take himself so serious that he can't have you know, having the 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 
Orange Cassidy showdown with Orange Cassidy. That's that's you know that's great. That's amazing. Um, how can you not love that? And, and you know he's smart enough to do this sort of thing. Holy so, shit! He's forty nine years old. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, been man. around a while. He has. Wow. I thought he was like forty two or like forty three. I'm just like wow. No, he's almost yeah. fifty. Is he still is he still throwing the BME? Yeah, very rarely. Okay, that's that's probably for the best. You don't want to you don't want to mood it yourself, you know. Yeah, so. I'm uh I'm really excited about this match because I've I remember SEMA back in uh, late '90s WCW, and then that got me kind of following him in both Michinoku Pro and in Dragon Gate. Mm-hmm. So seeing him live is going to be like amazing, and I'm actually uh really really curious about uh the one promotion that he's doing if he's basically running it, oh right? oh the the one out of china yeah that i, uh, curious that to, I thought it's one right o-n-e or maybe it's maybe it's o-w-e o-w-e one is the one is um the mma promotion okay i'm confusing the two okay yeah it's o-w-e uh, Oriental Wrestling Entertainment is what mm-hmm. it's been called. I think, I think he runs it. I don't know. Um, he didn't. Fi- he didn't. He's not the uh, creator of it, but they have some sort of working relationship uh, with AEW. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm like really, really curious. I've seen like some promo stuff with the guys, and it seems very. It seems very like theatrical, almost mm-hmm. like you're watching like a. When you when they do the matches, I haven't I have not seen a single match from the company, so I'll preface it by saying that. But uh, it seems kind of theatrical. The clips that I've seen almost make it seem like you're watching like a wushu martial arts film, mm-hmm. just in a wrestling ring, which right. <laughs> with with some traditional wrestling type of stuff too. So I'm actually like really really curious. Uh, I think there would be a marketplace. There, look, there was a market for Lucha Underground. Uh, yeah. I think something like this, like because there's plenty of people like me who loved like the old like Shaolin kung fu movies back in the day. So mm-hmm. I would totally watch this if they somehow uh, episodes of the show or if they're whatever. I assume they have some sort of wrestling content that they produce. If 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 working yeah. with AEW can kind of get some of that stuff exposed to the United States, like I'd be down. I would definitely watch it. I think I was really excited when they when they signed Shima because mm-hmm. he really I mean he he slowed down and he's not like the amazing worker he used to be but mm-hmm. that guy's got some serious star power. Yeah. And I'm glad that like I'm really glad that like mainstream audiences are going to get to see him. Yeah, and and it He's like in his, I think it's early forties now. Yeah. If time was, if times were different, if if he was like ten years younger, and in everything that's going on right now, he would be, he would like be becoming a huge star. I think yeah. in the United States, like his, he was uh, super talented back in his day. I think he still has a lot of talent. And you're right, like he has, a, he has like star quality. He has uh, charisma. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like a. Back in the day, he was like a, a handsome guy too. So there's that. I mean, he was like a big deal. I'm glad that they do have this kind of association because I really want to see more 
of the company he's working with, and I actually would like to see more of him. So I don't expect that he's going to be like you know main event guy, but having him, if they kind of do with some of the OWE guys what they did back in the '90s with like the Luchadors, like I'm going to be happy because I think they they'll just have like stellar matches on the undercard actually, of the shows. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny you mentioned that um, Omega talked about something like that, except he said he wanted to use, um, he wanted that like luchador role to be filled with Joshi workers to really set their identity apart from WWE. Hey, I'm down with that too. Let's see. I think I'm going to go with Cody and Dustin next, which we've talked about on some previous shows because I think that one has gotten, um, kind of the biggest online push. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, having such just excellent um, excellent promos building to it. I think they needed to do that because fans being what they are today, like, you're going to be down for the kind of two main event uh, matches, but... Mm-hmm. This one is definitely like a match that had potential, but I don't know if people were would necessarily be as excited about it as the other two. But right. this, this I've kind of set up before. I think this is like my sleeper match. I actually think this match has like a ton of potential to steal the show. Yeah, because uh, Dustin, I still, I, I mean, I, we'll see how he is because he's had double knee surgery. We'll see if he's can still go in the ring after that. But uh, Dustin is a tremendous worker and has been for you know, a couple decades at this point. Right. So, and I think that they've really built this match like very, very well. So I'm super excited actually to see what they do. I think, I think Dustin started in Florida. So I think he goes back to the late eighties at the earliest. I mean, at the yeah, at the earliest. Yeah. Well, no, he might go like 86, but yeah. I mean, I think his first WWE run was 1990. Yeah, if you count that like brief period where he was, he tagged with um, with his father. Yeah. I, I think that he still has, you know, Dustin's style has never been so high impact that it seemed like he couldn't do it. Like his knees wearing out, that's that's kind of expected. You know, he's six three. Uh, he's been very active for a long time. Knees wearing out and him needing knee replacements, not a shocker. But I think that he's smart enough and that his style has been um, conducive enough to longevity that he can, uh, you know, that he, he'll still be able to go. And there's so much potential emotion wrapped up in this that I, I can't help but think these guys... I don't think it's going to be the work rate match of the night, but whenever it comes to 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 the story and the emotion tied into it, I'm with Matt. It's that's the one I'm watching. I don't know. I mean, Dustin is a very underrated work rate guy. I mean, he's a True. guy that wrestled to almost. I mean, he's 50 now, but hasn't wrestled in a while. But he wrestled to almost 50, and I I honestly think even like his last couple WWE matches, he never lost a step. No, he, sh- he didn't. He no. was and better I, and than I he had been. I actually think, would you say? Uh, he, he was at the, the last few matches he did, 
working for Vince were better than matches that he had for a stretch. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're they're in kind of the middle end of his run. And I think I think he actually got a little bit better as time went on, especially like in tags. Oh yeah. Yeah, his uh we've we I think we've mentioned this before on the podcast. His tag team with Booker T is like criminally underrated. His tag with Booker T, his tag with R V D. Um Oh, I forgot it, about that one. Yeah. Um, well, even his tag with Cody because I wanted to say I think the last truly good story WWE ever told was the Rhodes family. The Rhodes family and the Shield. That was that was seriously so good. And he let he let fucking Roman spear him through the barricade. Yeah. Um you you the interesting thing to me about going back and watching that match is just watch the smile that uh, Moxley slash Ambrose is trying to cover at having Dusty Rhodes lay him out, right? Because there's obviously it's two v two, and it was it was um, Rollins and Reigns versus uh, Cody and Dustin with Dusty there with them and with Ambrose slash Moxley on the outside for the the shield, and Dusty whips off his belt and wraps it around his fist. And lays him out, and you can just tell he's he's covering pretty well, but he's trying so hard not to mark out at having Dusty Rhodes lay him out. I mean, I would have been the same way. Oh yeah, oh, there's no question. You know, uh, if this feud continues beyond this show, uh, I want to see a bunkhouse stampede match between the two of them. Yes, yes. Cody Cody uh, owns the trademark now. Like that. Uh, I think he actually applied for that because it's some, I, I don't know if it was I, maybe it lapsed. I think the WWE might have got that with some of the WCW content that they bought, but I don't know. Somehow Cody has the the actual trademark for that again. So Cody he got some he got some dusty trademarks too. I think though. Yeah, yeah. he he picked up um, some lapsed trademarks that had been Dusty's just because he wanted to have them, really. But then the yeah. other side to it is, you know, there's some... there's some. I think he picked up Starcade. Um, wow, they let that lapse? What idiots. Uh, I think that's right. I could be wrong. Hit us up well, on social think, media and correct me. I think if they're doing Starcast, he, yeah. must, have, he must have Starcade. It would make sense, but... Um, the, uh, you know, it, it's there. He's got access to a lot of stuff, um, which I'm looking forward to. So then, up next, we have for the AAA World Tag Team Championship, the Young Bucks defending against the Lucha Brothers, Penta L Zero M, and Phoenix. Do you think this is going to go on last, or is it going to be the other month? match i i couldn't decide yeah i don't know i almost feel like since the bucks went last with all in that this won't go last i feel like this isn't as big a it matches omega and jericho yeah and i feel like not that i think that there's going to be like a moxley or punk appearance but i feel if you are going to go that route like you could you would want to slot that in as like for the right at the finish there of Omega versus Jericho, so yeah. yeah. So you, um, 
Matt, was your Mania weekend like your first big exposure to Penta L0M? Uh, yes and no. I feel like I saw him last year, but uh, and I, he, I feel like the, they really, he really, really, really blew up at least a couple years ago when they yeah. were in Orlando, um, and I didn't get a chance to go to that WrestleMania. But uh, I feel like I did see him last year. By then, he was already pretty over. Um, but he's he is he and Phoenix are both like tremendous talents. Like it's it's kind of a get that they're associated with AEW. And uh, Brad or Shad, if you know the situation, are they definitely signed with them, or are they is it tr- the idea that I they are, they are going to be signing with them as kind of like a almost exclusive type of thing? I'm not I think sure. They are signed. Okay. Do we know um, if AEW has like a working relationship with AAA? I feel like that's probably true because the Bucks. They do. Yeah. Okay. So they could potentially pull Lucha talent from AAA. Mm-hmm. You, so my favorite thing about the Lucha Brothers is every Mania weekend, there's always some strange picture of them with some like legend they cornered at like a convention or something. <laughs> okay. Like, there's one with them in Austin. I think there's one in, of them in Flair from this year. But I, I love Penta just because he emotes, like, so well, even though, like, he has a mask and, like, his face is all painted up. Yeah. He has tremendous charisma. He's some of that. I mean, it's – when I say it's a get that they they have signed these two, it's a get in the sense that the WWE has a lot of – issues right now but mm-hmm. if they were smart they would have they should have signed both of these guys because mm-hmm. penta could have, could be like a huge star for them actually he's unique he has a unique look a really cool look he has a lot of charisma both of them speak really good english because i heard them uh maybe a weekend they were talking to people in english their english is damn near perfect it's it's they're really like super talented um you don't get like the personalities and the gimmicks like that that often it's it's mm-hmm. not a their entering talent has really made people shine on them but mm-hmm. the overall package is definitely why they're kind of they've been edging up further and further on like the indie scene is like guys you you absolutely like can't miss their stuff mm-hmm. my wife um I've said before, my wife isn't like a super big wrestling fan, but she was there with me WrestleMania weekend. We actually saw the Lucha Brothers there. Um, we were, my wife was actually really interested in buying some of their merchandise. Uh, sadly, we didn't have like cash. Yeah. So, so by the time we actually got cash, they were like closing up their booth. So we didn't actually get a chance to buy stuff. So maybe, maybe uh, in Vegas this weekend, I'm going to have to get some stuff from the Lucha Brothers if they're out there selling stuff at StarCast or something. Sure. For my wife. Well, I'd be, yeah. Uh, There was a... (laughs) I'd do the same thing in your place. He fought uh, Nick Gage at... Penta did. He fought Nick Gage at Spring Break last year. Mm -hmm. And one of the spots was him putting his finger up to his mouth and going, shh, to the crowd so they could all hear him, like, crack a chair over his head. Oh, He didn't do it, though, but that one... My wife thought he was hilarious, though, because the match started, and I think he... I think he smashed something over Gage's head like 20 seconds into the fight. Yeah. 
Did and they... that was also New Orleans, so they couldn't use tables, so they were putting each other through doors. Ooh. Oh, man. Who did they corner this WrestleMania? Flair, I think. Oh. Well, that's a, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. It's always, they're always like, they're always sitting there. I think Austin had this look on his face and like, I I told someone they he, they should have made him like hold up a sign that says help me. <laughs> I need a you sign know, that looks like it's like the 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 letters are cut out of newspaper. That's a ransom note. Because he doesn't he doesn't act crazy, but like Penta just has this <coughs> look of like I don't think I want to fuck with that guy because he might bite my face off. Oh yeah. Do people know much about them personally? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, all I know is, like, again, seeing them WrestleMania weekend, they... Penta seems like he's probably, like, a fun dude. <laughs> he just had that vibe to him. I like, think, he was um, super friendly to, like, the fans and everything, and he just seemed like a really cool guy. I think they... I think they kayfabe it. Like, I think they... Li- like, they're... Like I think they they keep the gimmick they keep it gimmick level so I don't think people know much about them like mm. personally. Mm. I like I said I think they're super nice guys and like they interact well with the fans but I think they like they kayfabe it to a certain extent. I can appreciate that. I mean, let's be honest, a, a little kayfabe really never hurt anybody. Not not that bad. And then the final match what I think we'll probably go on last, but I don't know. Uh, the rematch, Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho. I, 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 I don't know what to say about this is the problem. I mean, it's got potential of being... I just want to know how much... Uh, if they've negotiated how many times Chris Jericho can say fuck. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good question i i think it's going to be interesting to see um how, how people react to if this is going to be new japan chris jericho character i'm gonna it's going to be interesting to see how a more mainstream audience reacts to it yeah yeah i think it'll be uh i think it'll be fun Especially since it's going to be crazy, like, brawl around the ring Jericho. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm looking forward to seeing it. So. So, Matt, what do you think your most, uh, what's your most anticipated match on this card? Again, I would probably say Cody Dustin, just because I think that has a a lot of potential. Uh, And beyond that, I, well, like I said before, I'm actually super excited to see both uh, both Shima and Aja Kong. Uh, I think I think the Omega Jericho match is going to be like really good. I think I can actually see those two trying to top their New Japan match, especially if this match goes uh, last, which is what I think it probably will. Do you know Do you know how much a Kenna Kabashi autograph's going for at Starcast? Uh, no. Um, you know, it's sad to say, like, I kind of want to go to StarCast, but uh, I don't know if it's, like, free to get into and it's just you have to purchase stuff or what. I I think that's 
possibly true. I don't know. I don't think he's actually one of the more expensive ones. I think that's that's kind wait of wait. I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. I thought you said Kenta. Kenta oh no. Ken, yeah, Kenta Kenta Kabashi. I think he's actually. Uh, he might be pricey. Let me actually look it up real quick. Okay, because I was gonna say like if I was Kenta Kabashi, I'd be charging like fifty bucks a pop. Oh, he's probably more than that. I'd be like, I'd be like, yes, you may touch me for twenty dollars. He's one I would almost like. I would, I would maybe pay. Uh, I would maybe do like a photo, but I want if, the, if I'm doing a photo with Kenta Kabashi, it, he's it gonna be like, he's gonna be pretend chopping me. Like that's that's well, the deal. You know, though, the problem with taking a picture with Kenta Kabashi, I'd have to see him in person first because I have a feeling he could look pretty ravaged from like the cancer and all that stuff. Oh. Yeah. Like so, I it would depend on how he looks. If he looks pretty good, I'd be like, okay, like I'll do it. But like, you know, like, I mean, and I don't mean to say this in a bad way, but you know, like Bobby Heenan in his later years, like I wouldn't want to take a picture with Bobby Heenan. Though, oh, you yeah. know, no, it, you'd it, just be sad. Yeah, it just it it hurts to see the shape that he ended up in. I get what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. was at a he was at the this is about this is maybe in February. He was at the uh, the Giant Baba Memorial, I think, and okay. he looked pretty good. I mean, he had like some bags under his eyes, but yeah, who doesn't at that I mean, age? He's mm-hmm. he, how old is he now? He's got to be fifty or close to it, right? Yeah, because I think he was starting out in like the late eighties. He's fifty-two. Yeah, that makes sense. He still looks pretty good. Um, I would want to go and listen. I would actually. You know whose autograph I'd really want um, is Tom McGee's. <laughs> is this I'm a segue? Yeah, let's segue into this. Oh, so did uh, I know Matt watched it? Did you get to watch it, Chad? I did not get to watch it directly. Oh. I've seen pieces of it, and I've I've heard a lot of talk about it, but um, I didn't get to watch the the whole documentary. It was. I I like the documentary. I thought they really oversold the quality of the match, though. Right. They did. They made it out to be like this absolute classic that had been lost to the annals of history for years and years and years. Which is funny because both Meltzer and Bix have said they had seen it before this. Yeah. Meltzer says he has it, but like, so I guess what his story is is that he moved his stuff out to a shed and his cataloging system got screwed up. Right. So he can't find it, which is someone that owns a lot of media especially wrestling media like i totally understand like losing something yeah yeah he basically he kind of like good-naturedly blamed his wife because he was like yeah my wife said you have all you have your crap everywhere like you have you have tapes (laughs) literally in every room of the house can you please just like put them in one area so he like moved them out to he said his shed and at that point he just kind of like lost uh his his whole like uh, catalog system just went to the wayside so yeah, and is is someone that has bought like several DVDs, and then opened up their wrestling collection and said, "God damn it, I own this already!" Like <laughs> I understand. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can I can see where this is coming from. Uh, I, I have like I just have hard drives full of stuff. I have like a bucket that's just full of DVDs. I have CD holders full of DVDs. Like I understand the struggle. Right. So the 
I know I, I heard a lot of people talking about the the McGee match and how McGee should have, like he had every tool except one to be a big star, and that one is to be able to put a match together. Yeah. I I sent you guys a clip from All Japan and it was quite possibly the worst thing I've ever seen. You ain't been been to enough backwoods local Kentucky indies, my man. I got to tell you, but it was really bad. It was like a quintessential Bret Hart performance, though, because you you watch that and you don't remember anything Bret Hart did. You just remember the cool things that Tom McGee did. Right, because <laughs> Bret knew how to feed into him. <laughs> and the, the thing that cracked me up, though, is they interview X-Pac, and the entire time X-Pac's talking, like, his dog is just passed out next to him, and I don't <laughs> think it moves the entire time. <laughs> Poor puppy. But man, like they it, had Sam Roberts on there, and God, is he just fucking useless? Yeah, for those, uh, I think we've kind of like intimated on the show before. Like Brad and I are uh, longtime Opie and Anthony fans, uh, also Ron and Fez fans, of course. But uh, Sam Roberts kind of got a start with Opie and Anthony, like that. Uh, and I never liked him. He was okay in small doses, but. Uh, if you're a longtime Open Anthony fan or you care about them, you know that the weird kind of chorus of that show is that Open Anthony is long gone and neither Opie or Anthony exists anymore as mm-hmm. a show. Right. Uh, but now it's uh, it's Sam Roberts and Jim Norton doing what kind of was the Opie and Anthony show. In a I, very bad way. Yeah. I mean, Jim Norton, I still love. I think still he he's still great, but... It's kind of weird that he that Sam became like last man standing. Sam's I, it's just Sam's passion was always like wrestling though, so I'm not surprised he's doing stuff. But I don't feel like he's that good. interesting. He doesn't have a good for someone who's who has a passion for wrestling. Like he never has an interesting take on it. Yeah, it, it kind of seems like he's always towing the company line for stuff. Does that make sense? He, yeah, I would agree with that, and he, and. God, is he ugly. <laughs> he is not an easy-on-the-eyes human being, no. It's like a it's like a troglodyte made love to a goat or something. <laughs> okay, that's, a, that's, I, that's uh, an image right there. I love the old, old joke um, from years and years ago when comedian Bob Kelly would come on the Open Anthony show and he would uh, always claim that well, he had like a weird. He, he was starting to do like a weird homoerotic thing with uh, Sam at one point, but oh yes, those were for a time. They were like they were uh, pretending that Sam had candy in his head, <laughs> like he was a real life Pez dispenser, and that they needed to like break his head open. Wow. Okay. Good at that candy. It kind of seems to me that that's going. You'd have kind of a trip getting there. Yeah. Who was that? Like there was a really popular celebrity. Like he was in some really like popular stuff. That used to love just coming on and just ripping on Sam horribly. I, I don't know. Was it a comedian? No, he was like a popular actor. Like someone who's done stuff recently? Uh, over the years. I'm trying to think. I can picture him playing his day. Can you think of anything he was in? No. Um, hold on, let me look at... 
Let me. This is great. This is great audio right here, guys. We're we're sitting around trying to remember. <laughs> trying I think it was remember. Kevin Pollock. I think it was Kevin Pollock <laughs> used to like coming on oh, and maybe. ripping on him. <laughs> I love Kevin Pollock. I, I actually have a picture with Kevin Pollock, but I had to squat down so that he and I could be in the frame correctly together. Because he is a short man. Is he like is he like Tom Cruise short? He is uh, about five three. I will I will uh, I will try and find that picture. Uh, it's yeah, if you if you do Kevin Pollock, Sam Roberts, it's just YouTube video after YouTube video of him like trashing Sam. I always enjoyed Kevin Pollock's stand up too. I thought he was he was very good, and. He, his stories about messing with Alan Arkin were always great. So, all right. Well, I know we keep putting off the other thing that we were maybe going to talk about. The um, WWE's new Lego World Championship belt? Well, Money <laughs> in the Bank and the, the Tupperware title, yeah, both of these things. Man, uh, what was up with Foley talking, though? Like, he... He must have had, like, new dentures or something because he was doing that, like, Howard Stern, like, I can't talk right with my chompers in my mouth. He may have been thrown off really badly, too. Um, so... No, it sounded like... You know when someone's, like, like their teeth are different and they can't talk right? Um, off the top of my head, I can't really answer that for you. So, it, it, but, it's also possible, you know, uh, apparently... I mean, the crowd did shit all over They it. did. And I can see him absolutely being thrown by that. So, um, I was... We can do this and then and then finish up some... We're not going to do the whole Money in the Bank card, but just a few high points. Um, so, which may involve, a ever, lot of, may involve a lot of screaming. Has anyone ever seen an uglier championship belt? Yes, but it was on one of those custom title sites. You mean where they got this belt like last minute? It kind of seems that way, doesn't it? Uh, it felt like it's felt like it felt like at nine o'clock on Sunday night, Vince is like, "I want a title belt for Monday. Get it done." <laughs> well, okay, so we we alluded to this, and I'm just gonna go ahead and jump into it. Since we're not probably not going to spend a whole lot of time on it, but the fact that what the theory anyway of why people dumped on this so hard seems like it it was Vince sending Mick Foley out there to say, hey, hey, you like that old hardcore title thing, right? Well, guess what? We're going to give you something like it, and you're going to like it, aren't you? You're going to like it because you like the old one now. Like it, like it, damn it! I'm Vince McMahon, damn it, like it. And the crowd's just like. <laughs> You couldn't sell Roman to us. Uh, you ain't gonna sell this. Yeah, that was kind of my take on it too. It was like you idiots like nostalgia, right? Here you go. <laughs> it's the hardcore title. Hey, we can't call Patter- hardcore. Pat Patterson, get in here. <laughs> Patterson, get in here. <laughs> That's really. Good. I want to make a twenty-four-seven title. <laughs> you know, it's. Uh, uh, let's give it a little time to see what um, to see they, where this they, goes. Because, but see, but see, they screwed it. They screwed it from the start, though. Because I've often said this 
on this show numerous times, and Shad disagrees with me every time. But if no, if no way Jose's involved, you're already scraping the bottom of the barrel. Oh my! Ah, uh, here's the was thing: he involved in the the cluster? Yeah, he he showed yeah. up as one of the. Oh people. really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So so you are, and and the thing is, like, in um, Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez said this was like, it was so bad that Kurt Hawkins was too good for it. <laughs> Well, but but Kurt Hawkins is a tag team champion now, isn't he? Well, yes, but I mean the so, tag belts don't mean anything. Yeah, you know who? Well, it means more than this thing. I would have put it on Heath Slater because he's got kids. Yes, he's got kids. <laughs> and then I would have had. I, I, I actually had like. Of, go ahead. I would have had like one of the kids like pin him in the middle of the night or something. Um. Yeah. I, Brad and I have been and Chad and having this title how we really wish they would just go full on and do kind of like the DDT um, what is it it's the, is it the DDT like heavy metal title or something like Iron Iron, Iron Man heavy metal weight championship yeah where they wait 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 I have to say it properly mm-hmm. the former Iron Man heavy metal weight champion the Iron Man heavy metal weight championship <laughs> Yeah, for 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 those who don't know, the uh, Japanese wrestling promotion uh, had effectively like like the the WWE hardcore title, but they have really embraced the comedic aspects of it. But they've taken it to such extreme levels that it's almost it it rolls into it goes all the way from like low concept comedy to high concept comedy. And maybe and back, back <laughs> it maybe yeah. fluctuates back and forth, but it's hilarious. And they just go crazy with it. They've had like, like ladders a, have won it. Yeah, a blow up doll has won it. Yeah, I think uh, a, and, a weenie dog name. I think yes, Coco won it. Like animals have won it, and by animals I mean like real life animals have won it. Like I sent like a picture people of have won it. Yeah, like I sent them a, a gif of like a cab driver winning it. <laughs> yeah. I actually think there was the belt one itself. Yeah, I could be wrong. I think there was actually. I think. Um, I think Joey Ryan lost the belt to Candice LeRae in a dream. Yes, he did. Yeah. <laughs> so they've done really wacky things with it, and if Laura the, James lost it to her cat. Yeah. Just completely absurd, but it works. So if they were to do that with this title, I think it would. Uh, it would like equate itself, but I don't know. I don't think they're going to do that. I I do like that they put the title on uh, on our truth. Yeah. And I was telling the guys before we came on the show that I actually would love. I want him to be like a perpetual champion. Like have him. You can have him lose. You can have him lose the belt, but I want him to kind of like keep winning it. Have him be like champion like eight hundred times. Like I don't care. Like he's. They should put he's it on really Jimmy. F- He's really funny. Oh, yeah, little Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, they should do that. They they've been uh, he he put out a video on Twitter where he even mentions little Jimmy because he was talking about the fact that the uh, the European title being defended in twenty four seven format is just gar you know it's crap and it shouldn't be that way. So uh, if if anyone's gonna pull it out of the nose dive, it's our truth. Um. I hated though that they the way they limited it though because 
I think it should have been fair game for like referees and like backstage staff and like non non like affiliated people. Well, if I could see, they can expand it later. If they start it this way, um, then I think it it could be expanded out later. Like I would just love to see like some backstage segment where like Bruce Pritchard like rolls them up. <laughs> But see, I think they could have even gotten creative with, like, how they had it won. Like, I think Mick Foley should have been, like, well, pulled out the old hardcore belt and been, like, this is always going to be on the line. And as he's giving the speech, like, Titus, like, sneaks up behind him and, like, rolls him up and, like... Sure. Wins the belt there instead of, like, doing the battle. Yeah, there's lots of ways that you could do it that would be remarkably silly and amusing. But, uh... <clears throat> You know, there's. We can hope, right? We can hope it goes that way. I'm looking forward to the possibility. I'm it, that belt is hideous. It is. It's awful. It's ugly, and uh, I know like the thing to do on social media is for the brands to get involved, but uh, Waffle House of all of all brands. <laughs> oh my god! Decided to weigh in, and they actually sent out a tweet, and it was the tweet of Big Foley holding out the belt. Um, and their tweet was somewhere in Georgia we are missing our 24-7 side <laughs> it was fantastic I'm surprised that that kind of savagery usually comes from like the Wendy's Twitter that's oh, true yeah. that's true well Waffle House Big East favorite restaurant yes Matt do you have Waffle Houses in your area yes I do I have a Waffle House less than two miles from where I sit of course you do, because they are ubiquitous in the South. Yes. Uh, the, the one time I was ever in Jacksonville, Florida. Yes. They were, I want to, I swear to God, they were like on every street corner. Dude, they're. They're everywhere here. It's Waffle House. Oh, really? There's a few in, uh, there's not, north of like D.C. there really isn't. But if you go like into Virginia, you will see some Waffle Houses. Uh, Waffle House is great. You know why? Because they serve hash browns with everything. They do, yeah. If you they, order hash browns, you get a side of hash browns like that. They finally, they finally stepped up and just made the hash brown bowl, which is a bowl of hash browns with some sort of protein product on top of it. What everyone really wanted, but never could get. So my, my friend and I, they built a new one here. Like this, I'm talking, this is like my friend and I are in college. Like we used to go every weekend. So they built a new one, and we just happened to be on that side of town. So we went, and we're sitting there, we're like this Waffle House sucks, like, it's, like, it's clean, and, like, the waitresses have all their teeth, like, what what the hell's wrong with this place? <laughs> it's not broken in yet. Like, I should be wondering if I'm gonna get botulism from eating here. No, it's just not broken in yet. That's, that's true. That's the thing. You just gotta break it in. So, it's like, there's only, like, three people eating here that have guns on them? Like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> seriously. The last time I went to a Waffle House was actually, uh, like right before my wedding, <laughs> you're bold man. No, man. I, I was you're very drunk. Man. Yeah, I was very drunk. Um, and there was an old couple there, and they were like talking to us, and they're like, "Oh, we just got high, and we came, we went out, we want to get a Waffle House." <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, that's uh, sounds that's about right. right." You know, funny you should mention that I ate at a Waffle House right before my wedding. We're going to do this quick because we ain't going to take a whole lot of time. 
Yeatware. Just want to just want to focus on like the the women's stuff and the men's money in the bank and the well, cage match. There, yeah, that's all I was going to do. Uh, okay. I was going to get the worst part out of the way first. Well, one of the worst parts. The the Miz Shane Cade ma- cage match is just terrible on so many levels. We do have to I give can't it credit. They, I can't believe they protected Shane. I mean, protected Miz for all those years just to have Shane crap all over him. Well, you know, the the story is that it was after a mania and everybody's at the party except the writers because they weren't invited. So Miz took them all out to dinner. So the writers took care of him. I've never heard that story before. That's that's a story I've heard. And that makes, you know, that makes sense to me. Like uh, a whole bunch of pieces come together and now he's working against Shane. It's like, wow, this this feud pisses me. Okay, first of all, we got to give this match a little bit of credit. Because this match, we got to see the debut of the minus five star Frog Splash. <laughs> if if you had credit to Reddit for for coming up with that, but if you ain't seen the match, you can see just that, and you'll know what I'm talking about. <sighs> Is this like the fifth or sixth cage match WWE's had in a row where they've had some stupid fucking ending to it? I'm not sure about that part. I do know that we have now had two blow-off matches to Shane Miz, wherein Miz should have, you know, should have won the, um, you know, should have won the feud there. And instead, they had Miz lose because, uh uh-oh, something happened, right? And it's so stupid because it, first of all, you're going to have this huge, like, emotional brawl at Mania. Miz did a great job just whipping the crap out of Shane, going everywhere in the, the arena at Mania. What does it end with? A vertical suplex where somehow, against the rules of every other vertical suplex that's ever happened, Shane ends up with the pin. Don't even know how that works, but they didn't put the camera on it because they knew it wasn't going to be there. And then second, we have this cage match where it makes no sense whatsoever. Miz is like kicking Shane around doing all that sort of stuff, and Shane wins by taking his shirt off. Well, no, the, you're forgetting the worst part about this match is the referee forced a rope break. Yeah, it's yes, the referee forced a rope break in a cage match for reasons that nobody can figure out. Brian Brian Alvarez lost his damn mind about that. I lost my mind about that, too. I'm just so tired I forgot. Um, yeah, if, for those who don't um, listen to the Wrestling Observer, uh, like their live shows or radio shows, the recap stuff, uh, Brian has been increasingly entertaining because he has <laughs> over the last few weeks because uh, every time he watches WWE programming Raw, SmackDown, the pay-per-views, he's been slowly losing his mind. <laughs> it is highly entertaining because he you can hear him work himself up into like a, a just a, a, a frothing anger. And it's, well, it's the hilarious. The best part though is is Vinny knows the shit to say to him to make it even worse. Mm. Like, because you can just, like, those episodes where you can just tell Vinny's, like, needling needling him are, are great. I think it was, like, some producer, though, that was, like, getting him all right. geeked up this time, though. So, this is, this is a, this should not have happened. Like, nothing about this match, like, any of the, the pivotal moments of this match, none of them went correctly. There was no reason for it whatsoever and so even michael cole is on the on the mic you know saying well there's no dq it shouldn't count 
you know, it's it's it's. Can, can we talk about that because because this keeps happening? Why do the, why are the announcers so terrible? Like Vince is in their ear micromanaging them. But like they they keep pointing out shit they shouldn't point out. Because I'm gonna get into this with Graves during the Bailey cash in, but I I literally wished I could have shanked him. The well, it it's Vince's in their ear. And so if you imagine Vince is in their ear yelling at them the whole time, say this, don't say that, say this, and then they're they're there watching it and like they go for the pin and the shoulder's not down. Incidentally, the theory on the Ray Joe thing is because if they have rules like Kentucky has rules and the moment someone starts bleeding, you've got to find a way to end the match. I've been victim of that before. Um if Vince is sitting there saying, you know, you you're gonna say this, Corey's gonna say this, Cole's gonna say it. When the hell his shoulders weren't down, and then you know, and then so they're what have they got? They Vince is in their ear all the time, and so what do they say? It's like, oh, his shoulders weren't down. Vince's like, you're not supposed to say that. And you, know, so, dude, how the heck am I supposed to know the difference? So, so, Shad, do you think they're building some stupid little angle with all these refs blowing these like obvious spots at the end of matches like tonight, or do you think the refs are just blowing these spots? Um. You know, it's hard to tell. The the. Or do you think like? Do you think it's just like? Do you think like? Because what I think's happening is the refs are just honestly blowing them, and the announcers are stupidly pointing it out instead of just. Well, you have to combine that with one other thing. You have to combine that because with the announcers sitting at ringside, unless it's particularly egregious, then they're not going to. They're the same as everybody else. They're not necessarily going to see everything, but the fact that the. Bucky Beaver bat thing that happens means they don't have any choice. Um, the official Botchamania weakness. page put it this way. I was going to say the official Botchamania page put it this way. The reason that the ref stops counting is because the opponent's surname is McMahon and AEW doesn't need any new refs right now. So. <laughs> you know what pissed me off though? In the in the Bailey cash in when Charlotte obviously KO'd herself on the ring post, the announcer stupidly said she hit the middle turnbuckle. It's like, no, you dumbass! Like, you just made Charlotte look like a fucking chump. Like she KO'd herself on the ring post, but you know you blew it with your camera work. Yeah. Even though it's obvious she hit the ring post, well, and then you didn't even say it right. Well, okay. So if the camera work's blown. What usually happens is when someone's over there, they they hit the turnbuckle in some fashion. It's getting more common for people to hit the ring post, but if the camera work sucked and that's the that's the visual they got, they had to run with it. Or if that's what Vince saw and told them to say, "I must have hit the turnbuckle." Say that, yeah. Yeah, but even even times where they've done that and it's obvious they hit the turnbuckle, the announcer still tries to say save it by saying they hit the ring post because. I, I don't know. It, it, that one just... It, it's... Okay. All right. So, the cage match was stupid. Uh, Shane wins by taking his shirt off. If you think yeah. that that sounds like crazy talk, trust me, that's how it happens. Um, you you might blow a vessel. Number two, yeah. women's money in the bank. I... The way this played out, I didn't have a problem with. Brad does, but I don't. Bailey wins women's money in the bank, right? Okay, mm-hmm. cool. It's nice. I don't have a, I don't have a problem with I don't have the problem with how they did it all. I have a problem with 
how they bunched it together with all a bunch of other like overbooked crap on the same show. Okay. That's my only issue with okay, it. Okay, fair enough. It should this have been one the was only... fair. This one was done right. Um, I'm 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 going to say this was done right because you're you're kind of backed in a corner. Yes, Becky Two Belts is cool, but you kind of need to get someone else on that. So what are you going to do? Um, so you need to get it off of her in a way that doesn't devalue her. She beat Lacey Evans, just straight beat Lacey Evans. Cool. She's getting ready to go to the back because the announcers are saying her match with Charlotte scheduled for later, and Charlotte comes out like, "Let's do it now." Well. We've established Becky's not going to back down from something like that. So Charlotte gets the win because of the fact that Lacey comes in and interferes. And like the woman's ride is a good enough name, I guess. But it's still stupid that her finish is a punch. Big show she ain't, right? So she comes out and she socks Becky and then Charlotte takes the win. Okay. That's dirty enough, right? That that doesn't hurt Becky. It's not, you know, Becky losing it that way because of interference. All right, fine. Because we've seen Becky beat Charlotte under worse circumstances before, like back at the Rumble. Then, <clears throat> both Lacey and Charlotte start working on Becky. Because that's the mode Charlotte's in right now, and Lacey still has a bone to pick, and here comes Bailey. Bailey comes out there. And fights them both off. And Charlotte ends up putting... Charlotte's the only one left standing. Don't exactly remember how that happened. And then so Charlotte goes at Bailey to try and put her out. And like you said, she she hits the ring post. She is laying there D-O-A. So Bailey cashes in with the briefcase, drops the elbow, and gets the win. That was, in my opinion, perfect. Because how else are you going to have Bailey? Superface Bailey cash in on somebody and still be Superface Bailey. I, I what I really hated about this though is Corey Graves shut your fucking mouth. Right. <laughs> like he's like she wasn't back up. Like how many cash ins have they been passed out and that's right. been perfectly acceptable? Like you dumb fuck. Like well, I really wish see. I really wish they would take him off of off of women's matches. He's terrible. He, he he plays the heel card a little too much when it comes to the women's match stuff. Like, no, he comes like, across. He tries to be like, all. He tries to be all like, oh yes, like I have this personal relationship, like, and I'm all buddy buddy, and like I'm in on the cool kid stuff, like, and it just, I just, I hate him on women's matches. Like, I just, well, just anyone else. Like, I I bring out Beth Phoenix for them. Like, just get him the fuck away from the women's matches. Yeah. Um, but in the end, I'm of the opinion that, okay, the title's got to come off of Becky. You want to get it on to Bailey. This was really the best way you could do it. I'm of that opinion. I think that was a smart thing to do, and it was a good move. Uh, Matt, I know you haven't gotten a chance to get a word in edgewise, because I've kind of been in rant mode for a second. No, like, I, I kind of agree with your thinking. Um, I'm, I'm not opposed to Bailey being champ. I actually like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, just the way they did it, I thought was like super overbooked. Like I, I didn't like it. Like I, I haven't watched Money in the Bank. Um, much like many Americans, I was actually watching the finale for Game of Thrones <laughs> versus uh, Money <laughs> in the Bank. But uh, yeah, I just reading the results, I was like, uh, 
do they really have to do like this much for it? it? I'm of the I opinion it, it makes sense when you watch. It, it was fine when you watched yeah. it, but it was yeah. it was too much with the men's money in the bank um, shenanigans and the cage match shenanigans. Uh, like, okay, really, yeah, I'll give you that. Like, really, what what I was saying, my problem with it was like. If you're going to do this on a show, this should exist in a vacuum with no other overbooking. I, I can get behind that. I, I, but I think I think the belt on Bailey is they kind of they kind of tripped into her getting over again without I think I don't think they necessarily meant to. They just kind of stumbled into it. And this is a very rare instance, I think, where they actually kind of struck while the iron was hot with someone. So I think they made the right move. Yeah, and Bailey's post-win uh, celebration was just—it was fantastic, babyface work. So, you know, I'm 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 thrilled. Bailey's got it. I love you know the 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 classic. What is it? White meat babyface? Is that the? I'm so t- tired. I can't remember the term at the moment. Um, but I thought the match itself was hilarious because it's it's literally just her. She drags Charlotte out of the corner, goes up to the top, and drops an elbow. But you you kind of you kind of uh, missed the best part of her winning the Money in the Bank is um, Sonya Deville was like literally carried Mandy Rose like on her shoulders up the ladder. That was that was a pretty and, like, creative spot. And Mandy Rose like. Mandy Rose is reaching for it, and Bailey literally like scampers up the ladder, looks her dead in the eye, shakes her head no, and just pushes both of them <laughs> off the ladder and grabs the briefcase. Yeah, like it was the best like win. It was, the only one for something like that that was better was Zack Ryder like pushing the Miz off and getting the belt. Yeah, it was. It was it, that was really satisfying. <laughs> Although I got to give Rose and, and and Deville credit, that was a that was a creative that's some spot. Strength though, like that was that's some strength though, is dragging someone on your shoulders up a ladder. Yeah. And but they in this match they did fall prey to the classic wrestlers with ladders not being able to climb trope. At least they at least they at least they they had a good excuse this time. That's true. That's true. And then the men's money in the bank. Oh my god. Okay, so Zane was taken out, right? They they find Zane hanging by his ankle somewhere backstage. So Triple H is like, he finds Braun and says, "Braun, I've got to I got to kick you out for this." And Braun's like, "I didn't do anything." He goes, "Now listen, come on, you had the motive, you obviously had the means and the opportunity." And Braun's like, "I didn't do it." He says, "Look, I'm asking you as your boss. I need for you to go." And Braun's like, "Fine." <clears throat> Oddly enough, I'm okay with that. So there's only seven people out there, right? Um, I felt awful for Balor and Ricochet and Ali watching this because, good God, the the bumps that they took. Balor especially. Um, Orton has even pointed out on his own Twitter he was Randy Two Bumps because uh, he did something at the beginning of the match. And he took, I think, a Claymore kick. And he laid outside the ring for 15 minutes. And then he came back in, and he took one thing, and he laid back outside the ring until it was over. (sighs) And then we get to the crux of it. 
because this was kept secret from people even in the match. Like, people in the match thought Ali was going to get the briefcase. And we get Brock Lesnar come out, pull Ali down, and just take the briefcase. Because that's exactly what we want. We did. We only had Brock around for, I don't know, what, two, three years holding that title, not showing up much, and now he's back to do this. <sighs> you, know what, you know what confuses me about this uh, match? Is um, if you're Triple H with this angle, you look like a freaking moron. For for kicking uh, Strowman out. Well, f- well, because think about think about think about the backstage maneuvering that had to go into this. So you kick Braun out because you think he did it. So then you have Heyman and Brock Lesnar are in the building, and um, they're like, "Hey, why don't you let us in the match?" And you're like, "Well, hell, like Braun saying he didn't do it, like." And Lesnar's here, and I didn't know that. And Lesnar's not above doing that, and Lesnar can also do that. Like, maybe I should think about this more. Right. And yet, that's not what we got. Or or shouldn't, like, you have to wrestle the whole match? Like, what's stopping future guys from just waiting until everyone's dead before they come out for their spot in the match? Right. Well, the fact... That the, the whole thing behind this was everyone else kills themselves for 20 minutes and then Lesnar just runs out and takes it. Well, and that's they they killed the gimmick is what they did. Right. What 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 is the first of all, this is really insulting to the other guys that killed themselves for 20 minutes to do this. Second. Is this something we really need? Well, no, it's really well, you, not. You act like you act like you want to see the briefcase on TV every week and not like just have it disappear. People on the roster TV. being on TV, wanting to see that. Me wanting to see whoever has the briefcase actually on TV. Me wanting to see the tag champs on TV. Me wanting to see <clears throat> the revival on TV or um, Sanity or. Uh, Piss the um, the uh, acolytes of, or the authors of pain or um, I don't know. We mentioned Kurt, sand- we mentioned Kurt Hawkins and we mentioned uh, flipping uh, uh, Kurt Hawkins and 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 Heath Slater earlier, and I ain't seen them on TV and I don't know how long. So which uh, which which um, sanity guy do they let go? Uh, I don't know if they've let anyone go, but I think Alexander Wolf has been moved to. NXT. He's back at NXT, yeah. NXT UK, I feel. Killing, right. Killing and Dane might be have might have been moved down to NXT. I think Eric Young is supposed to debut with Raw, but you know who knows. It's it's fascinating to me that we get this ending the same night we get the Game of Thrones ending, right? That yeah. so much so, wait, happy with. So as someone that um, has never watched Game of Thrones, like I've seen a lot of complaining about it this year. Was the ending as bad as I've seen people react to, Matt? Uh, it was pretty bad. Um, some of the characters who survived got, I guess, decent endings, but overall, it's 
there was there was a lot of issues with the finale just the last the last season last two seasons really it's it once they uh once they went away from the books and it was just you know the, they the, had the, to rely on their own talent. Yeah, it it took a pretty steep nosedive. And the thing is, like, again, I, you can kind of say, like, well, there's things get lost in adaptations. Uh, always, like, the original content's probably going to be better. But it there are things that happened that I felt are, uh, I just as a narrative storytelling way, are, like, kind of unforgivable. It's like if you have characters who are presented a certain way, um, based upon their motivations, where they're written, their characterization, and all of a sudden you you present them in like a completely different way, where they start acting different than they have for like six or seven seasons. It's like that's bad writing. If you are resolving conflicts that have been built up for like eight seasons in a really like rushed, poor way, then that's bad writing. Like if you have. Or- are we still talking about Game of Thrones, or did you shift on Last Jedi for me, or something? Uh, that's you can throw that in there too. I, hey. I we haven't really talked about Last Jedi, but I, I hated Last Jedi specifically because, like, there's a lot of controversy about it, and there there are plenty of people, mostly like millennial fans, who hate, who like don't like the criticism against Last Jedi because they feel it's just old fans who can't let you know the movies of their childhood go but it's really just like i don't i'm i'm i can obviously being like a wrestling fan where there's like wild uh heel turns face turns sometimes it's like really absurd storylines things like that yeah i can give a lot of suspension of disbelief i can give a lot of like leeway but at the same time if you're presenting things kind of like seriously then I need you to kind of at least be like logically consistent with both your storylines and with your characterization. If you're going to like really like just shit the bed with those two things, like I'm, I'm going to like, I'm going to criticize it. I'm sorry. Well, well, my problem with it was when, when you're, when your director and the guy that's like in charge of creative starts talking about subvert expectations, like I immediately, just tune it out and don't care anymore because usually when people start talking about subverting your expectations, like it's going to suck nine times out of 10. Like you're going to get some M night Shyamalan. Like it's really like modern day, like shit. The, um, item one. Okay. I, I haven't watched game of Thrones for a long time, but I kept up with it. And like what happened in the structure of the episode itself, okay, fine, I guess. But the fact that that was the ending we were working towards, I'm kind of like, really? That's that's what we're doing. Okay. Well, that it's never was my series anyway. I'm, I'm waiting for, for my series being made into a TV series um, to be ruined in its own good time. So <clears throat> we'll see what happens. Um but uh, the Wheel of Time is being made into a TV series for Amazon, and I'm I'm waiting for that. To... Oh God, they're gonna screw that so hard. Oh yeah, I, pre- I, I so. I have to hold out hope that they won't. the The only hope you have is is the fact that Netflix isn't doing it because that would they would fuck it so hard if it was Netflix. You have maybe 
a fighting chance with Amazon. Yeah, that's that's. Yeah, I think I think Netflix is doing the Witcher show. Yeah. Oh God, that yeah. that piece of shit. Oh, I'm I'm, I'll probably will. Reasonably soon. My wife, my wife saw the guy like they, when they did like the the shots of like Geralt. My wife was like, "What the fuck is this? Like, that's not a lot, Geralt." So I'm willing to give it a chance. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I'm I'm. I'm the holding problem, that hope. Look, look. I I like fantasy stuff. The problem though is that with Game of Thrones, because Game of Thrones became popular, uh, and Hollywood is intellectually bankrupt, then now we're having like this glut. Of fantasy shows mm-hmm. being done, yeah. like, and they all have to be like they all have to be like Game of Thrones. I imagine they'll probably all be like gritty and violent, like, like quote, yeah, unquote, I mean, realistic. Yeah, they're, they're doing Wheel of Time. They're doing uh, The Witcher. I think Amazon is doing uh, Lord of the some Lord of the Rings shows. Yeah, I think so. I think it's based on like the Silmarillion, so. Yeah, that's I don't know. Too. I I ordinarily would be like really excited, but I'm gonna have to take a wait. And... I I you know they they got it right with Lord of the Rings, but even like the Hobbit, the Hobbit sucked. That's because they were trying to make it more than it was. The Hobbit no, is exactly. a is not a big long story, and yeah. but they had to add stuff into it. I, it's sad to say, as much as I love Lord of the Rings, I have actually not seen the Hobbit films. I do own. I, I own them. Saw, on, I, I own them on DVD, so I will watch them at some point. I don't think I saw the last one because I just had had enough. I saw the first one, part two, and I was not. You know what shocked me about the Hobbit is how does CGI like almost ten years later look worse than the Lord of the Rings CGI? <laughs> like, cause like the orcs, the orcs look really cartoony in it. It's like, but they look great in the lord of the rings because in the hobbit they're not supposed to be orcs they're supposed to be goblins uh, yeah that's the only thing i can come up with is yeah, but we're you know i'm sitting here and i'm hoping that that my series does well i'm just afraid it's going to be co-opted for a different message um i think i think amazon usually does Amazon usually does okay stuff. Like with Netflix, I've started to see a definite like creep towards a style of show where the like the thing I've noticed with Netflix is you get ten episodes, you get six episodes of filler, and then you get four episodes of actual like substance. And yeah. every show seems to follow that formula. You've, you've now. got a lot of padding in the middle, yeah. Yeah, and I don't know how. I don't know how with 10 episodes, like you have so little content, you need to do that. I don't know. Um, I don't know. <clears throat> so anyway, that's, that's, well, that, that's how excited we were by a lot of money in the bank. Yeah. Um, AJ Seth was good. Um, I, I just don't care about Seth Rollins at all, or his title reign. Well, that's okay with Brock back. It's not going to last very long. Um, no. So, listen, I, that's all I got in the tank, guys. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, so, it's bad next enough week that we'll we've, probably, uh, we've gone off on, on fantasy TV show talk. So next week we'll probably... Because t- Double or Nothing's this weekend, right? Yes, Saturday. Okay, 
So we will probably touch on that next week, and then hopefully we'll get into the Mega Powers after that. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll play it by ear, though, because some of us have got some, like, Life. a lot going on in our personal lives right now, so we, we might not necessarily have um, have the time to get into it. We are going to do it in June, though. It just might be another week or two. We're, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Yeah, I, idealistically, since I'm going to Double or Nothing, I can hopefully get uh, content. Yeah, maybe we can get people's uh, thoughts. People who were there watching the show, uh, we'll see. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. So, alrighty, guys. Well, this has been the Four Corners podcast. This is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three quarters. You've been in the fourth. We'd love to hear from you. Please hit us up on any of our social media platforms, and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>